My name's Kat. I'm the head of community over at Block Party. And we do these spaces every week. They're artist weeklies, and we co-host them with Burrito Dow. And, and Reddy's my co-host. Ready? Thank you very much, Kat Russell. I'm always very happy to be here on Thursdays with you for these Block Party spaces. I'm one of the artists and spaces hosts uh, on tap at Burrito Dow. Uh, we are a mostly artist-ran and artist-focused collective. We focus on uh, doing drops in web three that are digitally native and hosting uh irl events at different conferences and stuff and we are working on putting out other streams of media such as our podcast and other content like streaming on the weekends so be sure to stay in the loop by following the relevant links in our profile uh in the burrito dow account so thank you guys very much for tuning in there's a lot you could be doing with your time and we are very grateful that you are here spending it with us and thank you, Apocalyptic Form, for being here. Yeah, you're welcome. So, uh, yeah, Apocalyptic Form. Um, I, before you joined, I was telling Reddy how we ran into each other uh, in New York last year, I want to say. Yeah. It, w- it was outside the Super Rare building, I believe. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and... You know, I didn't know how much about our conversation then you remember and or you're comfortable with being public in the world. Uh, But I did kind of want to start this space off just diving straight into this concept of the professional turned artist and like what is unique about that and like your past life versus current life. And you're allowed to say, like, parts of it are off limits or dive all in. That's really up to you. Um, um, well, so I was, yeah, first of all, um, you can call me Apocalypse. Everybody does. Or APOC. Um, can y'all hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. coming in fun. Um, all right. Um, so, look, I, I began... I began my uh, adulthood when I was, you know, 19, coming out a teenager, figuring out what I wanted to do. I I dove into the arts and I did a degree in art. And so I've been making art for 30 years. And I suppose I I learned um, when I did my, I eventually did my MFA, um, and I learned and I saw there that a big part of art was showing up and being present at art openings. And it's not only what you do, it's who you know. It's what others think of you in your selected art community. And um, I didn't really have an art community after I left, after I did my MFA. Um, my wife and I had young kids and I had... I really had no way of making a living as an artist. Um, And I I just didn't have the stomach for competing in the teaching circuit. And I just didn't feel called to, to uh, be in the art world. And so um, I I was very influenced by an artist named Joseph Boyce, who is uh, quite famous in Europe, not very well known in America, B-E-U-Y-S. And one of his big uh, contributions 
was to focus on uh, creativity as a human faculty and its role in changing society for the better. And so all of his, all of his artworks sort of point to this, uh, almost this force of nature within this sort of anthropological force within the human being that can create. And um, he wanted to call on that in humanity to basically heal the world. Um, so, cause he was a post-war German artist and, and he lived through the war. So I, when I figured out that I couldn't, didn't really know how to make a living as an artist, I kept making art in the background. I drew and painted and sculpted and did video and kept playing music, um, all of it. Uh, but I then pursued a career in uh, what I now look back and I call uh, basically multi-stakeholder facilitation. And so just the way that it happened, I ended up um, kind of putting on a suit and teaching business leaders and uh, NGO leaders and government leaders about um, creativity as a force or a possibility for massive social change. And I did that for many years um, and just sort of um, had my first career there, which was very in, uh, informative, but um, also a big detour away from who I wanted to be in the world. Um, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a big experience in learning about culture, about why society is messed up and how society works, how it doesn't work, the limits of social change, the limits of leadership, the importance of paradigms uh, in a society, because we worked at all scales of power in all over the world. You know, our, our company helped prevent civil wars and helped protect children and talked with leaders about transforming the energy grid and the future of their country. Like we were, I, I was, I was apprenticed into this work by a, a very established uh, leader in the field. And, and I got there, I got into that position because I really understand how creativity works. Um, so, but in the end, I had a, I had a position that I didn't want. So I left that company, um, also because I, I saw, uh, I saw a couple of things first. I think the, the most important thing was that, um, our methods, which were the best in the world, I think, as far as I know, I, I mean, I just saw the limits of, I saw the limits of leadership in, in governments, in NGOs, in institutions. I saw the limits of uh, modern consciousness up against the problems of our time. And I realized it was a, was fruit, the, the way that we were doing things could only barely make a difference. And um, in short, I, I proposed changes in the way that we worked. I, I studied uh, much more revolutionary leaders and thinkers and, and how they were changing their countries. And 
my partners didn't want to adopt that methodology and um, I couldn't find any clients for it either. So I kind of just threw my hands up and said, well, fuck it. Um, and that was just before the pandemic came. And uh, I told my wife, man, I'm just, I'm just beaten down by this. You know, I just uh, I felt like I was at the end of my rope. You know, I was just like, um, uh, big life crisis. And, uh, I was like, man, I just, I gotta start, I gotta figure out how to do my art in the world. Cause I've been making I've, all this art. No one's ever seen it. I've never shared it with anybody. Um, I gotta get it out there. And so I began digging around and came across crypto art and NFTs and said, well, shoot, this looks really interesting. This is my vibe. I can do this. Um, so, you know, I made a bunch of mistakes, dove in, um, you know, uh, flopped around for a while and then found my groove. And that was about a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, I think like when we talked about this, uh, what, like a year plus ago, there was something about it that really stuck and resonated with me just having a parallel type background of that feeling of maybe we don't have to change the world. Maybe sometimes just having a healthy existence I'm happy with is enough. And I didn't know if you felt that way as well. Um, I mean, I think there's a certain wisdom in a productive resignation or, or, I don't know what if, if that's the right word for it, but there's a certain wisdom in. I would say it. If you want to change the world, start with changing yourself. You know, start with just being at your best in the cir circles and spheres of influence in which you have influence, right? In which you roll. I, I saw a lot of change agents and a lot of leaders basically projecting their um their own wounds and traumas into uh leadership positions and strategic decisions if that makes sense i saw the failure of people to think clearly about the impacts of their initiatives um and i understand now after all these years why an institution like the world economic forum uh can be so easily corrupted by power and try to solve the problems of the world for people instead of with people. Um, so in the end, I, I think it's both. I, like I look at my work as um, I have no idea how far it will ripple out. I have no idea if or when I'll make a contribution to culture and at what scale, but I'm just gonna do my best to put my best into my work and do my best to make a contribution and that's the way I began thinking about it, Kat. Like, can I make a contribution instead of an impact? Impact is like a meteor from space, you know? I impact is, is disrupt, is violent. But a contribution is not violent. And so I think if we, if we want to build a culture, that there is something to wanting to make a contribution to others, in my, in my view. No, I don't disagree. You know, at times I see the people that are doing the nine to five job 
experience that death by a million paper cuts. And what you're saying is essentially the opposite. It's, it's, yeah, it's that like reinvigoration of values by the, the tiny stone that's thrown into the water and the ripples grow over time. Yeah. I mean, I certainly went through the death by a thousand cuts as a consultant. You know, when I was young, the last thing I wanted to be was a business person. And the last kind of business person I wanted to be was a consultant. And there I was. And it was just like my fucking nightmare. I mean, it was extremely educational. You know, it was just like a major part of my life. Um, But when I experienced the fruitlessness of it, ultimately, um, it was it was. Uh, uh, you know, I despaired. I, I despaired, and and I because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with my life. I didn't know what I was good for. I was just like, shit, man. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna suffer for another forty years and then die. You know, it was just like that. Well, I just I kept going and became content after a while with, you know, throwing one stone in the pond and seeing if it would ripple and spending quality time with my kids and my family and downsizing my ambitions from being somebody important to just being a good person and, and seeing what I could do, you know, wherever I was, you know, that there was a lot of the ego burned out of me by failure. So, you know, normally when I start these, uh, block party weekly episodes, we do the like, Hey, how are you? Can you like give us some fun background and stuff? And uh, I wanted to go this route with chatting with you because, you know, we've chatted before, but also because um, I felt that your story in many ways is a great tie in for us to dive into your art, because I don't know if people have told you this, but uh, when I look at your art, there's this uh, duality there of it's all these skeletons and death, uh, but they're surrounded by what I would call like inspirational uplifting, like that moment where the clouds break free and the sun finally strikes down on the like figure. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason I decided to call my work, uh, apocalypse, there's, there's two reasons long ago, I would say back in the like, late nineties, I, um, I was, I, I, I started what I called the apocalypse art club, which was, I would make art for a bunch of patrons and they would support me and it kind of worked for a while, but I also learned that, um, I had to become very consistent and very good in order to support that kind of business model. Um, but this word apocalypse has always been important to me because it means revelation. It means revelation, but in the popular culture, it means Armageddon or catastrophe. And this, this extraordinary twinning of these words, this uh, simultaneous two meanings of catastrophe and revelation or death and rebirth um, is, is the theme of my it's a theme of my work because I think it's the theme of the age. What do you mean by that? Well, 
I think we're increasingly seeing the, the um, the agency with which the human being has been endowed. For most of our evolution, for most of Earth's evolution, um, life has not been in the hands of humanity. Humanity was kind of a... Um, child. But now humanity has has the Promethean fire of um, uh, atomic weapons, of mass pollution, of genetic distortion. Um, so that's at scale. But even in, the, even in the individual consciousness, we're no longer held as individuals by, by family, by, by church, by tribe. We... Um, we have increasing levels of choice about who we want to be as individuals. And this is a double-edged sword. I mean, it's inevitable, but it, it, it means that we can fall into uh, what the ancient cosmologies called error. You know, we can make mistakes and do stupid stuff. Um, but through that, we gain, we gain a certain creative power. We gain a potential for, uh, for freedom, not just do what you want without consequences, but um, freedom really to be a creative being. Uh, so, so with this extraordinary potential for creation comes just as an inevitable consequence, a lot of destruction, a lot of mistakes. Um, and, and so this, so for me that the spirit of the age is like humanity learning through its mistakes um, the inevitable lessons of love, of uh, sacrifice, of um, uh, learning to do the right thing and, and learning to be free in that, to be free in doing the right thing, not out of duty or out of moral code, but out of uh, kind of a wise intuition that it's best for me as an individual and for you as, as my brother if I do the right thing. But these, these moral grounds are earned and freely won. They're not given to us as moral dictates anymore. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, and it's interesting that you're a traditional artist, but you're up on stage for an NFT chat uh, because there's this almost contradictory nature to it that just is ever present in my mind is also an analog artist where like there is a parabolic rise of technology. And at, at what point do you reject it? And at what points do you accept it? Uh, what are your thoughts about it all? Cause I know like, for instance, we see AI and how fast it rapidly grows. And for every worry that I have about that, I'm also like, but it is exciting, you know, I love every... watching Joe Biden play Minecraft. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's sick. <laughs> I mean, if I, I, I would love for the Apocalypse Studio to grow to the point where we have AI capabilities in-house. 
I, I'm not at all scared of AI. I'm what what worries me more is what humans will do oh, with yeah. AI. Because we haven't learned the lessons about about which I'm speaking. And we won't learn those lessons until we until we learn them through destruction and immolation. And so um, uh, the AI in art doesn't scare me at all. Why? Because I'm not worried about somebody being able to produce images. I, I think images are so cheap. Um, information, you remember when the internet was born, it was like, oh, this information, information. Well, information is cheap, but wisdom is not. And I think, I think with AI, um, even with the best AI artists, the, 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 the novelty of the technologies is, has the nature of a fad. It wears off. But the art has staying power in as much as it speaks of something substantial and meaningful. And that meaning or that substance is perennial, right? That has to do with who are we as human beings. So I don't really look at myself as a traditional artist or a physical artist or a digital artist. I mean, I've been making art for a long time. I've done all kinds of stuff. If I had the patience and interest to pick up mid-journey and stable diffusion, I would. Um, hopefully, we'll incorporate that into the studio at some point. My concern is about what the artist is saying. What, if art is speech, what does the art say? And I think that is where eventually... After the fads, after the innovations, after the hype around techniques dies down, because it does after a while, what you're left with is, well, who is speaking more deeply to what is going on in humanity and in evolution, in our age, in our culture? Um, so I celebrate these innovations. I, I, I love to see them, but they don't, um, they don't worry me because... Um, if it speaks as art, then you can use any tool. If it doesn't speak, then, then um, tools, you know, you're not using the tools to say something, if that makes sense. I think that makes sense. So um, I think at this point in the conversation, I want to leave it open to you. Do you want to do more philosophical musings because I have another one for you or do you want me to switch over and ask you some questions about your art which is more important with your time I mean I don't care I, to me this philosophy stuff is very practical it's 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 like the it's like it's either there are two sides of the same coin I mean we could talk about art cards we could talk about the meanings we could talk about um What's going on in the space? We could talk about power laws. I've been thinking about power laws a lot. Um, well, let's let's do that last one because I'm not quite sure what you mean by that, and you got me curious. Well, so sixty-five twenty-nine once in a while mentions power laws, and I looked them up the other day trying to understand what power laws are, and got like a very technical description about statistics. But basically, I did find one, one paper that boiled it down to basically um, in certain systems uh, that exhibit power laws, what you see is the rise of the few and the few getting bigger and bigger. And the bigger they get, the bigger they get. And so in a lot of industries like the web, like uh, 
car manufacturing, um, when the industry begins, there's a lot of competitors, but as it matures, there are fewer and fewer and fewer. And uh, with something like, for example, Google, the bigger it gets, the more people use it, the more people use it, the bigger it gets. Um, and so what I've been thinking about is like in power laws, you have uh, in any culture, you have a lot of artists alive at any renaissance at any time, but only a few make it to the history books. Only a few are remembered. Now that doesn't mean only a few uh, comprised that culture at the time, but over time, the, the mass mindset, history, chooses these few. Um, and I can see that playing out right now. I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating why it is every day that I see the same artists mentioned again and again and again. And, um, uh, and I like these artists. They're my friends. And we've probably connected a lot of them in real life. But I'm, but I'm wondering to what degree do, uh, does an artist, does it, an artist who's made it, to what degree are they made it? To have they made it due to their art or due to their collectors having invested in them or through hype? And it's a, it's a beautiful mixture of all of it. But I'm thinking about it a lot because it is a game. How you show up in this space, how you, how you show up in this art world yeah. is um, a game that we're playing. And I have to choose how I play that game so that I play with integrity and dignity. But I want to play. But I don't want to play as if I'm someone else. So, that kind of reminds is, me This of is what I'm how, thinking about a lot, yeah. Uh, you know, when I hear people talk about the OGs of this space, and then you immediately get, like, Hackatow and X-Copy's names just, like, jammed in your face, like, within, like, two seconds. Like, for every one of those, you have your A.L. Crago, uh, you have, like, your Art by Brad, and all these other names that they've been around since... 2017 2018 like first hundred mints on super rare and like they're still active in many cases like hex 6c is still around and still making art and like he's as og as it gets and you don't see them present and i'm i've always kind of chalked it up to there are feedback loops and feedback loops get reinforced by the correct handshakes but they get shot down and when they get shot down it does like quadruple the like negative so you make the wrong person mad you're gonna have to fill like eight successful feedback loops to make up yeah, for it a hundred percent and i think i think integrity at times can be a killer uh, and that's unfortunate, but that's no different than any other space, traditional art world, like literally name an industry, and that can be the case. Right. Yeah, so um, um, it's, a big, it's a big question, Kat, because I had a collector approach me with a deal. I made the deal, um, but it, it wasn't quite working out the way that I needed it to work out. So I suggested a change. We changed the deal. Um, and then he kind of lost interest. And I, I'm fine with that. But um, 
it was it was a mark of I don't know insincerity maybe too busy maybe um, divesting of one artist and investing in another maybe treating artists like racehorses probably um, but this question of integrity is like you know go go play your games because what I can do is I can make art and I can make the things that I make which a lot of people like so. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sleep at night. I'm gonna have a clear conscience. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna involve your drama in my inner sanctum of creation and art making. Um, that's what integrity means to me. It's a, it's a liberating, it's a liberating thing. It may be a killer because you, you miss an opportunity or whatever, but it was a part of my training and part of my background is that artists who really make a real contribution to culture, they, they do it over decades because they have integrity and they're not always the ones that get hyped in the moment. I mean, I always think of Damien Hirst, like brilliant young guy, um, gone to seed. I'm sorry, but yeah, his butterflies were great, but, but yeah, you know, I don't want to be that guy and I'm not going to be that guy. So have opinions and, 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 and make something that matters rather than uh, pick the easy path. I don't know. That's just the way I think of it. So talking about your art in particular, um, I know that you have recently sold out what you're referring to as the first of a series of cards. But what I wanted to know specifically is what is the difference in your mind between a card and an edition? Uh, and can you clarify that for me? Yeah, so the art cards were born of, of um, loving the memes, loving the, the Pepe's and the fakes and um, the meme lab. I'm a meme card artist with 6529. Um, and in a way, loving the uphill battle, you know, this is a, this is a game and there is, there is a bit of a um, uh, manly jostling and womanly jostling to get to the top and, and that's fine. But what I started to notice was that um, I didn't really have a, a, a place to share my work in just a more humble and genuine sense, or I could say it like, in trying to fit into these platforms. Okay, so I'll, I'll just be frank. Like, I, I, I saw when AOTM was launched, and I thought, huh, it would be really cool to be on AOTM and have someone like Vince Van Doe, like support my efforts to reach into the trad art world. But I wasn't chosen as AOTM. And there's a lot of things that are cool that I think, wow, this would be neat, but I'm not chosen. And so rather than, than nurse my bitterness or, or, or question myself, I just thought, well, what am I, what, do I, what would give me some energy? And what would give me some energy would, is just to make and share art in a very low-key, non-hype, non-gated non, um, way. So I could do additions but I wanted to give it a bit more of a framing, like a frame around it for 
comprehension, for marketability, for mimetic purposes. So the art cards is born of like I have I have more work to share than can fit in the meme lab or in the meme cards or in the Pepe's or in anybody's curated platform. I ha- I just don't want to be constrained by these playgrounds. I I love them. I want to be in them, but right now I'm only in a few and I'm I am where I am and that's cool. I don't know. The the inspiration just struck me. Like what if me and some friends made this collection of really sincere, really cool art that that in a way is somewhat insulated from the pressures to conform or climb. Um, what if, what if there was a, what if there were a space where artists can hang out and make work and share work that um, is a little bit off Broadway is a little bit outside of the hype cycle. So uh, over time I began to formulate this idea of the art cards, just released one sold out. It's not, not a big deal, just a little deal, but I was happy to see the response and where I'm going with it is basically um, I, I want to cultivate some, what I think of as substance. So I, I want the art to be about these perennial subjects, about, about the mysteries, about, um, life and death about, about what artists think about and what they really care about somewhat insulated from these pressures to fit in. And, and um, how, how can we find the mimetic quality in what, what we really care about deeply and not just continue to uh, reflect the, the, the cool, what, what's, what's fashionable or trendy in terms of mimetic stuff. You know what I mean? I do. Um, and I'm going to say a hot take about uh, Pepe cards and Pepe art, if that's allowed. It's Are we all on hot takes? Okay. So me on my personal side, I decided a while ago that I I would not make one. And... My reasoning why was I don't really have a problem with them. Um, I do have a finite amount of life, and I am behind since I started art later than most. Uh, But the other reason was I have this fear that I would have, like, I'd make some meme, and then for some reason, like, it would, like, be really hot, and everyone would want it, and it'd sell, like, a crazy amount. And then I would compare it to like things that I've poured my heart and soul in and be like shattered. And all I would be able to think about is, you know, you pour your heart and soul into something and it's worth $600. You make a meme and it's worth 20,000. And I think that that would break me. But what's worse, Kat? What if someday you make a piece and people just turn it into a meme? Ugh. No, but for me, all this is good. I mean, I look at it as an and, 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 and. Like, I want to make that meme. I agree. I want to make a Pepe eventually. I, I, I love it all. So I said I'm it was doing... a, hard, a hot take. Yeah, you know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on it, but I've been making art for 30 years. Um, so I'm not, I'm not new at this. Uh, and I, I think because of the experiences that I described uh, half an hour ago when we started, or whenever that was, um, 
I am that flaming skeleton that's still walking, right? So, so I'm into it all. The art cards are not a protest or like, fuck the platforms. They're like, um, they're instead, you know, for all these, for all these artists who, who, who walk together or walk separately or walk with me in this, in this more subtle philosophical, what I call the mysteries, um, for, for the things that you think about and care about deep down that matter to your whole life. Well, where's the mimetic quality in that? So I'm trying to resonate with the art cards. I'm trying to resonate with uh, powerful subject matter in addition to the Pepe's and the, um, the wrecked guys and, you know, the crypto punks and all the other metas, like it's all fine, but can we make the mysteries mimetic? That's kind of my challenge with the art cards. When I first met you online uh, and I was digging into who you are, uh, Anytime there's like a photo of you, it seems like there's always you holding a skull or there's like a skull sitting around. And I mean, your avatar is basically a skeleton's head. Uh, and it always reminded me of there's this British philosopher named Alan Watts who talks about how it's important to observe skulls and skeletons and contemplate, you know, what it's like to sleep and never wake up. And I was wondering what your thoughts are on death. I mean, I look forward to death, but not yet. Well, that's valid. Um, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's not only impo- I think it's not only possible, but I think it's inevitable that eventually we will, um, like the ancient people did, see into the spirit world, the world of death um, because you know I read something once that's always stayed with me and that was um, that we're taught that the ancient people and indigenous people made up their belief systems in order to explain nature but actually there's no evidence of that whatsoever ancient people did not make up their so-called belief systems those those weren't belief systems they were systems of organizing perceptions that were common to ancient humanity because our consciousness was different. And as our consciousness evolved, and this is a study called the evolution of consciousness, um, we lost the perception of these other planes. And to me, those planes are very present. And I try to depict my experience of these planes. You know, if you ever have experiences just when you're going to sleep or just when you wake up or sometimes maybe you wake up in your dreams but you're not really awake or maybe, maybe someone dies in your life and you still feel that they're, they exist. So I'm, I'm fascinated by all these things. I think that there's much more reality to them than we like to give in our very modern, comfortable armchair consciousness. So death to me... Death to me is just the flip side of life, uh, and it's it's not a it's temporary. You know, death is also temporary, so it doesn't um, it doesn't frighten me. I just I just want to 
make sure that I do everything I can in this life to, you know, to, to, to fulfill the reason I'm here in a way. And then when it's time for me to go, I'll go and on to new adventures and, and like, God, no problem with it. None. Um, because I think in the future I'll be back. Yeah, I, I kind of assumed that you had a, uh, a more spiritual opinion about it than, say, the pessimist that is me does. Uh, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, that's one of the, the few good mysteries that's left in this world. Yeah, and I think we all have experiences. How we decode them makes culture and dialogue very rich. Um, I, I had experiences when I was young, and I've always had experiences that, um, for example, that consciousness is not produced by the brain. Um, and so, and I, I can remember experiences uh, that happened to me when I was not in my body, if that can even possibly make sense. I think we're much bigger beings than we think we are. Um, so what I try to do in my art is like scratch at the surface of these mysteries. Who are we? What are we? What is death? The skeletons are all, cat, they're, they're all about the part of us that survives death, right? The skeleton is a symbol of the spirit insofar as both the skeleton and the spirit survive death. It's just that they, they break their connection at death. And so to me, these aren't so much beliefs as like cognitive uh, playgrounds, imaginations, intuitions, questions that I live with, with my, you know, as, as with the utmost intensity. And so I live all these questions and then I freaking pour it into my art like a, like a, like a magnifying glass focusing the laser of the sun. You know, I just like pour it into the pieces. Um, that's my, that's my focus on a day-to-day -day level is like, how can I, how can I do that so that I, I can maybe reach that part of someone else that is consciously or unconsciously living with these questions or not. And I accept the fact that it's not going to vibe with everybody. In regards to that, uh, art resonating and reaching somebody else. I wanted to point out that I believe it's your daughter has a Twitter account and has posted art on occasion. That's come across my timeline. If I'm remembering correctly, that's correct. Right. Yeah, I have two daughters. One of them is more active on Twitter and the other one is not. So, and, and Iron is a, a studio assistant in Apocalypse. So yeah, she, she posts from time to time little snippets of what we're working on or stuff from her own art journal. And she, well, I, she also helps me in the studio occasionally or actually quite often these days. I will say that, you know, there is definitely a reflection of your art in her, her art and she may be happy to hear that or she may be like i don't want to live under his umbrella uh and under his shadow and if so i apologize uh but i see it you know when i see her art 
I'm like, oh, that is Apocalypse's daughter. I mean, I think that's that's fine for now. She, she's she's actually helping me with this major project called the Influx, and um, we're painting the pieces. We're then digitizing the pieces, and she's she's working on a bunch of pieces by herself, and then she runs it by me. So she's quite happy to be under my wing right now. She's only in her early twenties, so she doesn't she doesn't yet feel that need to like articulate her own voice but i think it will come quite naturally in time for now and it isn't a slight um in any by any means it's more of like the nuance of your paint palette brush strokes and things uh tends to carry forward to your next generation uh and that makes complete sense you know if you're around something long enough it just naturally rubs off on you yeah i mean the other thing about all this stuff is like, I see Crimson here in the, um, in the, in the audience and he's, um, oh, he just disappeared. Um, but he, his PFP is one of my, one of my pieces. Um, and when I was making that piece, it was, uh, in my mind, it was called the birthday party. Uh, the reason I mention that is that, you know, this, this subject matter of you, so, 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 being not only a physical being, but an inner being. Um, it, it, it is not incompatible with, say, punk rock or um, sex or um, uh, any concern that you have in the world or any kind of food or any, any vibe or ethos anywhere. I think what I'm pointing to is the the razor's edge of everything that we choose to block out in order to stay sane. Like there's a thin membrane between who we are at night when we sleep and who we are after we die and who we are during the daytime when in a way our consciousness is sort of more structured. And that that edge, that membrane between, you could call it madness or in some cases it's seership, that can go to parties. And, and that's, that's, that's why my skeletons, that's why my vibe is, is not churchy, right? I, I prefer to think of it as like blood in the mouth, even though the sun is illuminating your soul. And so this dramatic contrast of uh, getting skinned up at the skate park and you know, feeling your dead grandfather next to you, like these two things go together in my world. You mentioned the word birthday party, and I was wondering, do you have a, I guess what I would refer to as second birthday, that random date in your life that's such a seminal event and is personal to you? So not like marriage to another but like one that is uniquely just for you that is an intrinsic date that you will forever remember and you like near celebrate it every year. Yeah, I do. Um, I do have a date for that, but it's a, it's a, you know, it's very telling about my personality. It's, it's a, it's a death and rebirth date because 
many years in my life when I was younger, I experienced a death or the end of something profound on that date in different years. It was, you know, this day in November, and then the next year it was like the same day in November, and then two years later it was the same day in November. These, these monumental, uh, massive, painful, um, catastrophic, but also quite opening, like shattering in a positive way, opening events. They kept occurring on the same day. So, yeah, I have a date like that. But I'm wondering, I'm wondering for you and for others in the, in the audience here, I'm sorry, Crimson left. Maybe he had something else to do. Um, how, do how does what I'm saying land with you? Because whenever I get into interviews like this and I just open up, I hear a lot of awkward silence on the other end of the line. Um, no, it's not awkward and I'm just, silence. I'm, I'm kind of wondering, yeah, well, I interpret it that way. So I'm, that's why I'm asking, like, is it awkward silence? Like, am I just weird or how does it land with you and others here the things that i'm saying i does it make sense is it crazy no i think you just you sound analytical like i don't want to i hope that doesn't come across like negatively in any way it just sounds like you you as someone who does not often think before they speak you sound like someone who does so that's the only comment that i have about it really like you just sound well informed and and thoughtful behind what you're saying Oh, cool. On my end, I would simply say that I tend to like to give pause because usually it's that, oh, and that I hear people say stuff that uh, really matters. You know, there's the person who will talk for 10 minutes and then the last five seconds of what they say is that actual nugget that like sticks with you and carries with you. And I want to make sure that like, when you're saying what you have to say, we let it all out because uh, there's value there. Uh, I'd much rather have these philosophical conversations, um, especially because I myself for a long, long time struggled with like what my identity was in relation to what's next after life. And like, how does one choose a religion and decide this is the right one? And if you chose wrong, are you fucked? Like that, that like, that (laughs) was something that when I was growing up, raised in a very religious home, like really took me and like, I grappled with for a long time. And so I love these types of conversations now that I'm more comfortable in my own skin. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I mean, some of your work, thinking back, if I just go through my memory of the work that I've seen from you, um, um, the the one of the pieces that really struck out with me uh, to me had a bird in it. I can't remember if it was a skeleton, but it was one of those things where I saw, I saw the spirit of the bird. I saw the dead bird. I saw the live bird. I saw the the bird as it died and gave birth to itself over time. Uh, you just touched this sort of archetype of this wild being. Yeah, um, I've done a couple with birds. That one's like a bird like skeleton from an x-ray and then i did another one where there's like a bird and it's got like a peg person bird in a nest and Mm. like it was this idea about like if you replace like its mother or its child and like this item has to like 
relies solely on the other and is going to die because like you've replaced the like hand that feeds essentially is that okay for scientific research like should we do that is it bad um man these are good questions i mean hey crimson dude you 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 popped out for a minute but i just mentioned the um pfp that you that you have um i mean i was actually gonna open the floor up if crimson wants to come up or anybody else yeah anybody anybody i'd be happy to to chat with y'all um i think one one more thing to i I, I know we're at the top of the hour i mean i have time but i don't know how long you want to go but one one more thing that really um that i want to put on put put here put put on the table here is that the most universe the most universally beloved artists are very much individuals um i love this paradox that the people who really speak for their age are highly individualized they're not generic people if you know what i mean they're not like people who haven't done a lot of work on themselves or people who just like took what was given to them and made some nice pictures. They're people who like rejected a lot of the tenets of their time and figured out for themselves what they wanted to say. They've really carved who they are as people, um, which is a difficult thing to do. It's very hard to be a true individual because you have to, you have to sort of forge that from what you're given from your parents and from your culture. Um, And so I often see a lot of art that's kind of generic. It's kind of like, oh, I'm sad, I'm wounded, I'm, you know, or on the positive side, it's like, woohoo, party and hype. And that's all fine. But what I look for, especially in the art cards going forward, um, for those who want to collab on these, um, because I think we're going to do some cool collabs, is like, finding the universal in the individual because when we really dig down into that individual's self what they actually care about that's when we strike the gold of the most universal so anyway i just wanted to say that because that's kind of an invitation to to open up what could be mimetic in this space i.e universal and broaden it from just um hype and popular stuff and cool kids clubs and mint pass and rare pass and super pass and golden pass and hall pass to like more more powerful more universal more uh i don't know like stick with you stay in your mind kind of artwork yeah don't pass it up guys Crimson, I saw you came up. You're more than welcome to uh, chat. What's up? Hey, uh, sorry, I'm a bit winded. I was rugging in the grocery store, and I just walked back, uh, standing outside my back door. <laughs> I got to go in and cook some dinner for the kids. But uh, I was glad to listen in when I wasn't rugging uh, and hear what APOC had to say. I've been following him for a while uh, since Instagram. And um, before I got into NFTs or anything at the very beginning of last year, but uh, I think uh, over from a lot of the artists and stuff that I've seen, that I, which I like, uh, APOC, I think, is like the most grounding um, in that, you know, just his honesty and his ethos and everything is 
uh, is something you can just kind of, you know, attach to and be comfortable with and, you know, feel like you can grow and learn something. Um, clearly this is a, you know, an intelligent person who's got, you know, some really like, uh, nice things, good things to say, um, has a great energy. Uh, and I just want to, I'm just like enjoying being along with the ride or for the ride with him. Um, so I guess that's probably all, <laughs> all I had to say. Yeah. I'm rocking his, uh, PFP have been for a while. Uh, this is from one of, I guess the, not the most recent release he's got, but the one before, and it's my, uh, my first one of one I've got of his and, uh, I will for sure treasure it. It's uh, at the very beginning of the show, you were talking about how, um, you know, the, I guess the, you know, seeing like skulls and death surrounded by, you know, a beautiful sky and a garden and all this kind of stuff. And that's a very striking image. And it's one that's definitely, uh, that's kind of his, um, in this space at least. Uh, and I think it, you know, you could really find meaning and find a connection from one end of the spectrum to the other in, in these images. Um, he doesn't like go crazy with trying to include all these details or try and point you here or there or tell you anything. It's really, here's something, find yourself in it, you know? Um, and I find myself doing that a lot with a lot of his work. Uh, he's obviously got, you know, his own ideas of how he put these things together and why they are what they are. And he's free and eager to discuss those with anybody who asks and wants to know. Um, so it's, it's kind of nice to know that, you know, there's a meaning intent behind the work. There's a purpose. Like he says, what is it saying? Uh, he knows what he wants to say, but individually we can find in ourselves what we want to say through them as well. Um, and I've spoken to him a lot about that kind of stuff and how I feel about a lot of the pieces. So, um, I, I entrust that a lot of other folks who are, you know, he's got a lot of diehard folks behind him um, that they kind of feel the same way. But uh, that's my piece. So, APOC, glad to chat here and glad to chat with you guys. Dude, thanks for saying all that. I mean, I think that's one big thing that I haven't really talked a lot about is I love it when you see something different in the piece than I see in it. I, I, I love that. I, I try to make work that is ambiguous and that leaves it to the viewer to interpret and make their own meaning. And I find that um, that's what makes a strong piece of work is um, I, I can look at it next to you and we can both wonder and marvel about it. And um, it just is there on the wall. It's, it belongs to both of us and everyone else now. Well, obviously, you know that uh, I've been a big fan of your work for a long time, APOC, and uh, it is just really great catching up because it's been a while since we've actually chatted. So I'm really happy that you came on. I'm happy that you came on, too. I feel like I learned a lot. And Reddy learned something today. I love learning. I love learning <laughs> with Cat Russell. Cool. Cool, cool. Well, I'm, I'm really happy to have come on. I hope that my sharing was interesting. I know I'm a um, bit of an unusual type of person, but um, I, I appreciate the chance to share what my work is about for me and how I 
how I make it, how I come to it. But like I said earlier, you know, um, I, 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 it's not, it's, it's not a this instead of those other things kind of vibe. It's just this in addition to everything else that's going on. So that's kind of my message is I'll meet you at the skate park. I'll go to the restaurant. I'll party with you all night. Um, you know, I, I love your crypto punk and I'll, I'll, I'll get a hall pass and you'll get a hall pass and we'll be hall pass brothers and it's all fine. It's just that I have this other thing to do in addition that's important to me. So I'm going to bring it full on and um, those people who like it is here for you. And if you don't, it's cool. Go do something else. Show me what you got. I love it all. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me on and just being able to share that. Yeah. Um, Admiral came up real quick. So I wanted to give him a chance to speak before we close this all out, if that's cool. Yeah, it's great with me. I got time. Whatever. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is a she, but the he works too. Um, I was just listening via captain's phone and uh, I had a couple questions for you, Apocalypse, because I love, I love, love, love what you're making. And as an artist myself who I haven't even been on Twitter in over a month because I just got really burnt out with all the NFT, blah, 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 just plagiarism, generic, 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 sell, sell, sell. And I'm like, what about what you're saying in your art? And I feel like there's finally a place where I can go. And I'm just wondering how I can get more involved in what you're doing. Thank you. So Admiral, are you connected with, are you connected with captain? Closely? Yes. <laughs> ah, love it. Love yeah. It. I've seen a lot yeah, of your work. Um, you're, I have so much respect for you and the fact that you make physical pieces. Oh, thank heavens. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I mean, I kind of make physicals because I love making physicals, but I also discovered in the making, and I think this is something that Kat would resonate with, is that, you know, when you use analog materials, especially paint, I mean, what is paint but colored mud, right? You're, you're, working, you're working with colored minerals and, and, and other plants and whatever, plastics. There's a... There's a the medium has its own idea. The medium has its own voice. And I, I love the possibilities that open basically by working with the world. And I find that I can do things faster and more immediate physically than I can digitally. And it's not because I'm not a digital native. I mean, I've been on a freaking Apple since I was 12 years old. Like, I got no problem with the digital medium, but the physical medium is to me magic. I feel that a hundred percent. And if I we not agree more, <laughs> if we lose the magic of nature and minerals and mud and prefer it to the magic of pixels, we're just fucking missing out on the big thing going on about the real reality. And uh, so I garden uh, you know, my family gardens, we have animals, we work on our relationships, we go, we take trips together, I'm going snowboarding next week. Pew, um, pew, pew. <laughs> you know, and, and some days I spend 12 hours on the machine, right? So I, I, I guess I'm saying all that is that the physical, the physical gives me a way of speaking, gives me a voice, helps me give a voice. But I think because I never shared the physical work in the physical world, like the first time I'm sharing my work is through NFTs, 
the digitals have a life of their own too. May I ask a follow-up question about what you're doing with the art cards then? Because my, what I'm really passionate about is finding the, not a, I hate the term digital, I'll just be honest about that, because I, I make large-scale abstract paintings with like resins and I use literally, I mean, I'm kind of an insane person in that regard. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of metals, resins. I like to build out and make it three-dimensional on a two-dimensional surface. And I've been thinking since NFTs came about and we moved from digital art to NFTs, how to pair the physical with the digital in a way that increases appreciation for the artist and the original holder of the physical piece. So with the art cards, is there an opportunity to allow a certain collector to have the physical piece if it is like originally done physically and then be able to have a digital representation of that piece um yeah and then you, you asked another question um earlier with with regard to the the meaning of the work uh yeah um yes, so um i i want to put imagery into the world that strike that penetrates someone's armor uh, and I discovered this when I was 19 or 20 years old like I could put something in a gallery and I could see people their jaw drop or I could see the armor break and sometimes that infuriated them which I thought was a good thing there's a healing impulse here which is like if I can break through to you and I can break your armor which is all illusion anyway then you, could, then you could find something in the work that shatters your soul a little bit. Well, then I'm actually liberating you from your own bullshit. I know that's presumptuous, but it's art, and I get to do that as an artist. I'm not violently uh, inflicting on anything. I'm just hanging a painting on the wall. But art is like a paper tiger. It's not a real tiger. It won't eat you. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a liberation tool for the human being, right? And so I try to put together pieces that where you and I can meet in that naked space. Oh my no. God, you're speaking to my soul right now. How can I be a part of this? I need to be a part of this. <laughs> so, so the way that I do physical digital is I look at them as two different pieces that are coupled together. So I never sell the physical to anyone who doesn't own the digital. And uh, right now I'm, I'm I'm about to hire a lawyer to help me draft an agreement where I can send the physical to the one-of-one one owner with the agreement that when they sell or transfer the token, um, they will ship the physical back to me or to the new owner at my expense. So that the Amazing. I know that that might be violated one day and I can't control, but that, that's the spirit of the agreement is this physical should hang in the home of the token holder because it has a message, it has a function in their lives that, sh that there's something to the fact that it doesn't turn off. Now, ultimately, I want these physicals to be in a museum or a castle or some gallery where all of us can get together and have conversations. Like, that's my big dream. That's what I'm working on is, that's why I want a lot of ETH is so I can freaking get a castle and people can like come there and do artist residencies and collector's residencies and we can have these conversations. We can make shit. Like, that's, that's my ultimate goal. Um, 
And then on a practical note, what I do is I make my physical, I take it out in the sunshine because that's the best light source I have found. I take a high-res capture of it, and I basically make a new piece. Sometimes I, I really enjoy when the digital is a direct representation of the physical, like First Angel, one of my pieces. I mean, you, I'm just looking at it right now. Like, it's fucking gorgeous. And you look at the digital, and it's gorgeous. And you look at the physical, and it's gorgeous. But other pieces, like A New Earth, which uh, Satoshi just bought, Satoshi, the, the, the motherfucker guy, you know, the emperor guy, like he and I um, started chatting before he left the space. But when he came back, he was like, hey, I want a one of one. So he bought this piece called A New Earth. Well, the physical to that is different than the um, digital. And I, I'm, I don't have any issue with that because I'm making a digital piece. I'm not representing it as, a, as anything other than a digital artwork based on a physical piece. And that, it's all fine for me. I'm like, it's all good. The, the meme card triptych too, I have three full-size paintings, but we cropped it for the triptych in order to make a digital piece. To me, it's all good. It's, there are no rules as long as you do it with dignity and integrity and honesty. I will say that I definitely appreciate when if you are capturing a physical you photo it over scan it um, on a, on a personal level. I mean, there's no rules, do it however you want Xerox it for all I care, but I prefer that personally as well. I've, I've been taking photos of my installations and with like micro and macro lenses and playing with the cinematic representation of this quote unquote still life. But I've been working with glass resins, light, and projections, which is very hard to capture until I realized that I had to use a different medium for the message of sharing the art that can't be transported. So I'm just thrilled being in this space. Thanks, Captain. <laughs> Woohoo! You guys are awesome. I couldn't agree more. It's It has to stand alone as its own piece. Otherwise, it's just kind of fraud, in my opinion. And I know that's a heavy word, but in this space, there's so much just bullshitting that takes place and I'm really over it I mean I come from working with fine artists in studios in LA and putting exhibits <laughs> you know New York LA all around wherever I can really I just rent a space and do it because I figure who's going to do it unless you make the action yourself so I'm just happy to hear this in a Twitter space because I like I said, I haven't even been on Twitter until I heard this. And then I realized because Captain didn't let me talk through his account. So I had to get on my own Twitter. So thank you for holding this space and sharing your thoughts and your process, Apocalypse. It's uh, really refreshing, to say the least. And I feel very reinvigorated in the space and a little bit more hopeful because let's just say I lost all hope there for a little bit. So thank you I mean, so much for letting me speak. You're welcome. And I would just say, like, take your physicals and find a way to use them to make digital pieces without regard for what anyone else thinks of anything. Oh, um, I've been doing that for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So then <laughs> I always made those, it for that, me to share then, what like, I felt. But yeah. You know, make sure you're following me and DM me because I want to follow you and I'd love to look at it because uh, these are just two different planes. The physical is the physical, the digital is the digital, and we're free to be awesome on both. I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you. Apocalypse. And I already DM'd you. <laughs> Since we have a small space, uh, I wanted to just circle back to something you mentioned of this idea of the physical and the digital staying together and how do you ensure that happens? And 
something that I think that you could look into, and this is me personally, not Block Party. This has nothing to do with Block Party. Apologies, Block Party coworkers, etc. Yeah. Um, but one thing that you could do is you could have a Solidity contract customized so that in order for the NFT to transfer, the new owner has to verify they have the physical by interacting with an NFC chip to oh cause the transfer. Oh my god. That's Thank you for saying that. I've been saying that for years. I will DM you on that and we're uh, uh, that's Yeah, I can, I can help you with like the logics on that if you need me to, no problem. But okay. I was just letting you know like you could literally force it to be enabled to transfer that token unless the transfer includes the new wallet contacting the physical. Can I ask you a question okay, about there's that? Some, there's something, oh, sorry. There's something in that I hadn't really crossed. Okay, so you and I will talk about that. We'll figure Can that I, out. May I, I, okay, so I've been talking about RFID chips and like frames and stuff for a very long time. And you just said something with, what was it? The NIC, NC? NFC, Near NFC. Field Communicator. Okay, yeah, because what I have been trying to communicate to people is that blockchain technology doesn't need to just live digitally, I don't believe. So, like, if a painting were to have, let's say, within a frame, something that could be scanned with an infrared device or anything of that nature, it could pull up all of the previous owners and or places in which it was displayed, put on exhibit, museums, things of that nature. Is that, does that chip allow that to do that technology, too? So an NFC chip is similar to, if not the same thing as like what's in your credit card when you tap to pay. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, uh, what you can do when you write them, they're very cheap. It's like 20 bucks for 50 of them and they're small little discs. Uh, and what you can do when you code to write on them is you can usually add like a URL or something very basic, uh, or you can add interactions with, an NFC chip related app. Uh, so you would need to find a third party app and make sure it remains supported in that instance. So you're going to be fairly limited, but you could do as simple as anytime anyone ever interacts with this NFC chip, they get brought to a URL and then you keep that URL up to date. That would be one way to interact with it. Um, so for what you're describing, I would say oracles or node solutions are probably better. Uh, but for just something simple, like you can only do X in solidity if NFC chip ID number Y is interacted with, that works perfect. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Oh my God. Oh, good heavens. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do you mind if I DM you about the third parties you mentioned and like who I could reach out to? Where's she going? I can't hear Admiral very well. Are you running away from her? Covered up your phone. Sorry, (laughs) sorry. That's all right. Suddenly, you disappeared into the corner of the room. I was um, asking if I could DM you about the third parties you mentioned because on LinkedIn, I'm kind of shooting in the dark with people who've reached out to me and blah blah blah, and I've just been very vague about the technology because. I think it has a lot of potential to also help physical artists who want to remain in that world, but to be able to have, you know, royalties and really reap the benefits of the appreciated work, which therefore will appreciate in time. And yeah, 
So yeah, I would be happy to discuss that. It'll be through my personal account, but if you DM this one, I can redirect it and we can carry the conversation on. That's not a problem. Thank you so much. Um, otherwise, you know, apocalypse, we're about 20 minutes over time, which is usually a good thing in my mind. Like that's usually like the longest, the block party space has run on a Thursday so far, I think. Yeah. And that's usually a sign that like, I'm not screwing it up for once. So thank you apocalypse for being awesome in that regard. Uh, you know, I think that we had a very introspective conversation that, touched on everywhere from life, death, and your art in between. And I love that. So, Ready, do you just want to take us out? Or Apocalypse, is there any last words you want to share? No, man, I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Kat. Thanks, Ready. All right. Appreciate it. Well, Ready, why don't you take us out? Maybe. Are you ready, ready? Oh, whoops, sorry, my mic, sorry. I started talking with my microphone muted. I wasn't looking at the screen. He wasn't ready. My, yeah, I actually wasn't. You caught me slipping, cat. I was not ready. Um, anyway, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Thank you so much to Apocalypse for being here. We are very grateful that you decided to spend an evening with us. Uh, cat Russell, thank you so much for being here as well, guiding most of this interview. It was an extremely informative one. I really hope that anyone who did not tune in gets a chance to check out the recording on either uh, our Twitter archive, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, or our YouTube channel at a later date. If you want to stay more connected uh, with anyone from Burrito Dow, please follow the links in our Twitter account where you can find our Discord where we hang out a lot. Um, and again, thank you everyone for being here. Kat, thank you for uh, co-hosting and basically driving the boat on this one. And from everyone here at Burrito Dow, I think that's going to be a wrap. All right, y'all. We'll see you next week. Thanks again, Apocalypse. Thanks, everybody. See you around.